1: From the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James
0: Azar. Welcome, folks, to the final farewell episode for this veteran November. Serious, it is a sad, sad day for me. It's been a 26-day journey of 32 veterans and i end it with one who's bound to inspire you more than uh than many his journey is going to be one that we'll enjoy talking about today so we might run a little over but before we do that folks make sure you subscribe to the podcast right now and um Turn on the notification bell if you're watching us on YouTube. If you were on your favorite podcast listening platform, please subscribe and give us a review. A simple five-star, a few words of of what you like about our content. That always helps us in our ranking. Um, And later today, November 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern, if you are a veteran, active duty, and you want to network, and you want to get that brotherhood, that camaraderie again, we'll be doing a private event just for us. AJ will be there. I'll be there. Brian Lozato, the CISO over at HBO Max, Chris Cochran, the legend, the man from Hacker mm-hmm. Valley Studios will be joining me as well. I'm um, All for bringing more and more people on here, folks, and uh, tightening our tight-knit community even tighter. So join us there. Link is going to be below in the description. The man, the legend,
1: AJ Yon. What's up, buddy? What's going on, James? Happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. Well, you know, it's they say
0: sometimes you save the best for less, but I don't want to insult 31 other veterans, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But you, but you do have an awesome story, and we're going to talk about about that here in a second. Um, so, one, thank you for coming on. Last episode. So, you've got a lot of shoes to fill. 31 people have all shared their stories before you, AJ. No pressure, right? I know you're not used to pressure. I mean, obviously, you've played, what, college ball at Florida State? Yep
1: yeah right a little
0: bit. <laughs> so 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 you know you're you're not used to pressure i mean you were what in the army your dad was a marine so you're not yep. used to any pressure or expectations <laughs> i mean you're just a simple guy with a simple background so tell our audience a little bit about your journey into the service and you know um uh, and, and how it all came together
1: yeah, I, absolutely. I, um, I appreciate the 31 vets that, that spoke before here, and I think it's just a testament to the community that we have in the, in the veteran space where uh, there's so many of us out here, and there's so many of us willing to help the next generation of vets, which is amazing and a great thing. I Like you mentioned, James, I'm a Marine brat. My dad was a, is a retired Marine. He served 20 years. Uh, so the, the drive, the passion I have for things, and the commitment I have to things, it came from him he instilled that in a unique ways, I'll say, at an early age as, <laughs> as a Marine father. Uh, he, he instilled that in me. Um, I ended up going to Florida State to play basketball. And a little bit about my story uh, at Florida State. I, I broke both of my ankles uh, and ended up having to figure out how I was going to pay for school. And that's when I joined the service. Uh, I joined the Army. Um, at my dad's recommendation, I'll say, you know, for any Marines out there that are like, how did a Marine son join the Army? Blame my father. He told me to do it. You know, you just
0: threw him under the bus. And so, what's going <laughs> to happen is next time he's with his Marine buddies, under, you know, because he's going to brag about you being on the podcast, right? And yep. then they're going to hear this part and they're going to give him crap for the rest of his life.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, he's, you know, that's on him. <laughs> Marines Marine. make better decisions, right? <laughs> um, so, I, I joined the Army. Um, he encouraged me to join and become an officer. My dad's a retired uh, NCO, gunnery sergeant. And. That was a it was great to have a father as an NCO going and becoming an officer, Uh, because as an officer, especially as a second lieutenant, you have no clue what's going on. And the person that does is an NCO. And I had the utmost respect for any NCO. I had, you know, NCOs were on a pedestal to me. I actually respected and I still to this day respect NCOs more than any senior officer I ever interacted with because I was raised by one. Right. Um, So it made me, I feel like such a better leader because as soon as I showed up, I I had already been called a butter bar for seven months straight by my father. And he didn't even, you know, since I commissioned, um, he didn't even call me AJ anymore. He just called me butter bar or LT. (laughs) That's all I was to him. So, you know, my career was really in the military. I was a signal officer. Um, Most of my career, I was in an artillery unit um, and I had a boss, a battalion commander. He told me. If it plugged in, it was my responsibility. So, you know, I did some cybersecurity stuff, but sometimes I had to go change his lights uh, because he thought that was my job, too. Um, But I learned a lot in the Army. You know, I deployed a couple times. And uh, really, you know, the thing I learned the most was leaning on your people. Uh, Lean on your people and treat your people right and things are going to go well. And I, I learned a lot about leadership. But it all stemmed from my father. It stemmed from having an NTO that raised me. To, uh, respect NCOs, respect putting the work in and respect putting that grind in
0: so i love that talk a little bit though so your story similar to a few other people here that have been on the show before is you didn't initially go into the service you didn't finish high school and go into the service you were a star basketball player in high school got a scholarship to go play at florida state yeah. don't play humble right that's 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 the true part of your story right you got a scholarship to go play at a very big school you didn't get a scholarship to go play at hillsdale college all right (laughs) (laughs) you went to a division one top school that typically makes it to march madness and can excel within the tournament right yep so how long did you play ball for before you got injured
1: um, I actually so I never actually put a jersey on because I was injured in the summer when I got there uh, And then I got injured as soon as I got cleared and that's when I joined the service I'll tell you this this is the best story part of my story um, I gave up on basketball for a little bit after I joined um, and went to basic training and all that And I was just like, you know what? Maybe that's not a part of my story um, going into my senior year though. I decided I said I I came all the way from San Diego, California to do one thing to play basketball um, I, I came all the way here to play basketball, so I'm going to give it another shot. Uh, and I go to the coaching staff and I'm like, Hey man, like I get it, you know, um, didn't work out a few years ago, but I, I, I want to give it another shot. And they're like, we don't have a scholarship for you, AJ. Uh, you're going to have to walk on. I was like, I'll was, i do whatever. I'll do whatever it takes. I came here to accomplish one goal. So I went through the whole thing, walked on to the team um, and ended up being able to play. When I graduated and commissioned, you know, I was supposed to report uh, that summer or that, that, that fall, to Bullock, Basic Officer Leadership Course up in uh, up in Fort Gordon. My coach calls me and he says, hey AJ, Coach ha- Leonard Hamilton, who's still there, um, called me and says, hey AJ, you wanna come back and play another year? And I'm like, of course coach, we- <laughs> who-, who wouldn't? Um, I was like, I got this whole army thing going on where you know the army doesn't change orders is what I told him. I was like, they're not changing my orders. That's not a thing that happens. He said, don't worry about that. I'll make a few phone calls. And, and Coach Ham thinks he's you know the most powerful man in America which at this moment he proved it because two weeks later I get a call from my ROTC battalion commander saying that my orders were changed from November to report to Fort Gordon to October, to next May, May 23rd of the next year, May 23rd, 2011. Um, so Coach Ham was able to get my orders changed, but then my battalion commander said, uh, we can't pay for your school anymore because you're no longer in, in ROTC, you're, you're a second lieutenant. Um, and Coach Ham calls me and says, we're putting you on scholarship. Uh, So I was on scholarship. It it took me actually five years to play on scholarship (laughs) from 2006 till 2011. But I eventually got there um, and and got to live out my dream. But that that journey, um, I I love it. People always ask me, like, do you wish that didn't happen and you're able to play professionally or do whatever? I'm like, no, Um, because I, I needed to join the army for so many reasons. I needed to go in the military and learn the skills that I did there. And I needed to go through that. I needed to be thousands of miles away from home and having to look myself in the mirror and say, "You're going to go accomplish this goal that you came here to set out and accomplish." Uh, and and that process, that whole journey, the windy road to get to the end goal, um, it shaped my life. It shaped me to to be to be able to persevere through anything. You know, when you think something's over, it's really not. It's it, it's up to you. And I'm forever grateful to Coach Ham for for doing that and giving me that opportunity because the last year we actually went to the Sweet 16. Which was just a crazy experience. Um, we beat Duke at home that year when they were number one in the country, and I, I have best friends from who I played with at Florida State that are lifelong friends that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And uh, that wouldn't have happened if if I didn't get the opportunity from Coach Ham and, and Coach Jones and the whole staff there. So it's it's a windy journey, but it was. I mean, I, I loved it, and I still. If I could go back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I keep telling people, uh, you know, these kinds of stories you don't hollywood couldn't write this story even if they tried right, right. the most scripted hollywood you know the, the 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 most skilled hollywood script script writer could never put this stuff together it's it's true life it's a true it's a true story and so when you were kind of playing ball and you know a lot of the people who play basketball in college are obviously they're either their ambitions are towards the nba or yep. going to play abroad right yep. and your eyes were like okay We finish here in April and then I got to go to Fort Gordon. I got to go to Augusta, Georgia. Not exactly known as one of the best places to go to after college. Right. What was, what was that like? And how did your teammates kind of take, take that approach with you? What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I still remember after the sweet 16, we lost a VCU at the buzzer in San Antonio by one point. Um, And I go to the locker room and there's a picture. I think if you Google me, you might be able to see this picture of me in a locker room with my jersey on a white jersey, and I'm just sitting there. I didn't want to take off my jersey because I knew it was the last time. I knew real life started as soon as I took that jersey off. I was now, I was a second lieutenant at the time because I had commissioned a year before. So for a year, I was a second lieutenant just playing basketball, but I knew <laughs> that jersey coming off, it was it. It was there was no more college there was no more the partying. it was you know i had i was gonna have pt monday through friday i was going to be a leader and i knew from fort gordon i was going to Fort. i was going to fort benning next for airborne school um now i was supposed to go to ranger school then i was going to fort bragg and i was deploying like i knew what was happening the next like year of my life and it wasn't college anymore definitely wasn't not tallahassee anymore it was real world um and that made me appreciate every day um, you know, every practice, every time we got a, a new bit of gear, every time, uh, every sprint, I wanted to be first. You know, every if you talk to any of my teammates, they'll they'll talk about uh, the way I would just push them and, and be that guy that was always going hard and always wanted to make everybody better because I knew my days were numbered. You know, I knew it was this was this this great opportunity of living this dream of being a one college athlete and. All that goes into that, you know, it's a lot of work to do that—to go to school and also be a college athlete and have to have all those requirements. But it was worth it because of the experiences, and I just—I just really appreciated every single day. Which I don't, you no, know, I don't think I would have if uh, if I didn't have the army backstop there. I probably would have been a, a little uh, immature at that stage. But knowing what was coming, it was you know appreciate every moment because a year from now. You're gonna have sand in your boots, and uh, not gonna be in Tallahassee at the bar or, or whatever uh, on a Friday night.
0: Yeah, you're definitely not gonna be talking to the same type of girls in in, in Fort <laughs> Gordon or, or or Fort Benning or even Fort Bragg as you no. are in Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, AJ, thank you for sharing that. I just want yeah. to tell you, like it's it's great. Um, your authenticity comes off and i think there's there's uh, 32 veterans your number 32 that i've spoken with and interviewed for this uh, veteran november series and every single one is just so authentic and the journeys are so different right there's no perfect path so let's talk yeah. about your path to cyber how in the world did you go from a signal officer to cyber yeah and 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 what was that like cuz you were with an artillery unit so were you with what an 11 bravo or a 13
1: uh, they were 13s. Yeah, they yeah. were 13. Yep. Um, so it really became be, uh, we started using some different technology. Uh, we started, we started getting more to where our communication systems had to use Cisco routers. Um, and I was a signal officer. So I was in charge of figuring those things out. Um, and I had a 25 Bravo on in my in my shop and we were like all right we're just gonna go pull these things out and read some manuals get some certs and figure out what to do to set this up and make it work and um you know i realized that i liked technology a lot but in the army i fought it you know as an officer and especially being in an artillery unit kind of in the combat arms world you know everybody's tough and running around you don't want to be the nerd so i tried to do this i was like you know what soldiers you guys are going to work on that and i even though I knew this stuff, I would try to avoid it because I didn't want to be the nerd, right? I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the tough. I, I used to always say, I'm a people. I'm a people. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I'm not I'm a people person. Don't, I'm not a, I'm a tech please guy. Don't,
0: please don't call Jan for the computer problems. Call me for the gunfight. <laughs> don't call me for the computer problems. Exactly.
1: Like, I'm like, I'm the guy, you know, I, that, that's what I thought I was. Um, and then when I realized that I was going to transition out of the service right after Captain's career course, um, I realized I wanted to get out um, and the army was actually trying to force me into a more technical role. Uh, they were trying to make me go into this, this new role called it. it was a new MOS 25 golf where I would be essentially like a network admin for a, at a brigade level. I was like, you're not about to stick me in a closet in the army. Um, I can go do that <laughs> civilian world. But if I'm wearing boots every day, I'm not going to be in a closet. Um, and then I realized as I was beginning the transition about my, I called my dad. I was like, I think I'm getting out. He was like, you think you're ready right now? And I was like, absolutely. And he was like, all right, go apply for some jobs. This was about eighteen months before I wanted to get out. And I was like, I'm fine. I got a master's. I'm an officer. You know, I was a signal officer. All this stuff. Nobody replied back to me applying for jobs. <laughs> Literally. No. <laughs> and he was like, see, he was like, exactly. You're not ready. You need 18 months to get ready. So I took his advice and I just went all in on taking what I, the skills that I've learned around, because I was doing information security things, especially while deployed when we're operating on separate networks and things like that. Um, you know, I took those skills and began to find certs and being to translate what I was doing in the service into the civilian world. And once I started to actually learn about technology at a real deeper level and, and kind of understood some of the things that went into cybersecurity, I just became obsessed. Um, I became super obsessed with it and, and really wanted to, it's because it's problem solving. And I and that's what I did in the military. That's what all leaders do in the military. You're just constantly solving problems and there are different problems every day. And cybersecurity to me is the same way. So once I was able to take what I and realized, like, okay, all the stuff you were fighting as a signal officer, all the things you were doing and your soldiers were doing, you actually know a little bit and you can bring this over here to this world. And I found out, wow, you can actually make some good money in cybersecurity in the civilian world. Um, it was like, all right, this is, this is really a cool path to be on. And it was cool to be, to be the nerd for a little bit. And uh, when I left the service, I got into cybersecurity consulting, which I really think consulting is a great place for vets to start because you get exposed to so much and you meet. CISOs, you meet CEOs, you meet directors of engineering, you meet all these people as you're going through your consulting engagements, and you really get exposed to the ecosystem of cybersecurity out there and and what the tools are out there, what are the problems people are facing. And that opened my eyes up to a few things. One, how many vets were in the field? Um, Because I would go to these on sites, and the CISO would come in, he's like, Oh, who's a vet? And I'm in the army, and this, you know, me and him are off in his office the rest of the day just chatting because we're vets and we're just, we're just broing it out, right? Um, and I realized I was like, this is pretty cool. This industry is cybersecurity small, but even within the vet community, it's even smaller. Um, and, and that made me want to grow even more in there. And then the cloud. Uh, once I learned about AWS and cloud security, it became a passion of mine and something that I became really uh, just educated on, on how to help people build cloud workloads. So it, it kind of started, be, it, it, it originated because I was a signal officer and I had to do, you know, technology related tasks, even though I was trying to fight them. But then once I transitioned, the interest and, and passion picked up um, just because I enjoyed it. Um, and then I started seeing more people that were like me from the veteran side in the community. And it was like a no-brainer to go all in.
0: Love it. I want to talk to you a little bit though about that 18-month preparation mm-hmm. to get your first consulting job. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what you did to prepare. What were and, and here's the thing. We've heard a we've heard about some of your challenges and we've heard how you overcome them, so don't spare the details on this yeah. one. Tell us a little bit about that eighteen month period that your dad so wisely said you need eighteen more months and what you did to prepare for it.
1: Yeah, I um I would search job boards daily and and then I would find common certifications that every job was asking for. And I just So you, them. you
0: obviously understood that entry level was
1: CISSP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, wait, this skirt that you need five years of experience for is for an entry level role. How? How does? How does also,
0: assist. CISO is an entry level job. Remember. Yes.
1: That too. That too. And that was. You know what? That's part of it. It's as a signal officer coming out as a captain. I thought I was at a higher level in the civilian world than what I was. So it's it, it was a they, whole they, lot.
0: Of- they don't match.
1: There, there's no <laughs> correlation whatsoever. And and no one cares. That's that's the thing that I also learned. And my dad was trying to enforce on me is like, no one cares that you are a captain. No one cares anything. You're no longer Captain Yon. You're AJ, and that's that's it. Like, no one cares what you did. No one cares about none of that, unless it's a vet on the other end. If it's a vet on the other end, then you might have a chance
0: or a patriot,
1: or 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 a patriot. (laughs) But um, from a from a from a you know from a work standpoint. But I I went out and just tried to get as many collect as when I don't know something and when I think that. Uh, I need to 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 learn it I don't just do the basics I say I'm going to go all in and I said I just went after I would spend you know six seven hours a day studying things um things that I learned back in basic officer leadership course like subnetting I went all in on networking just in case I was like you know what since I'm getting out I have a wife and I have a son I had a son on the way when I decided I was getting out um and I was like we're gonna be I'm gonna make sure I take care of my family. So I'm studying everything and I'm trying to collect everything. But at the same time, I was on LinkedIn and I was messaging every I would search veterans in with search with CISSP. And if you were a vet with a CISSP back in 2016, you probably got a message from me because I was messaging everybody. Um, and I was just saying, hey, I'm getting out. Uh, can you provide any advice? And my hit rate on that was probably less than two percent. Um, and I didn't care. I just kept writing people and kept asking for advice. And people kept giving me advice, doing informational interviews. And that helped me prepare for the time when I finally started interviewing. By the time I actually interviewed for the job I received, that was probably like my 100th interview. And I was still four months out from from getting out. Um, So I was so so well-versed on what to do, what to talk about, the questions to ask. Because for about 12 months, I got rejected consistently. Uh, I think I received 79 rejection emails back from jobs I applied to or interviewed with. uh, And I just didn't care. I, I kept telling myself, you don't need 79 jobs. You need one. You need to get one job when you get out you need to get one person to con- that you can convince that you're good and the only way i knew i was going to become a better interviewer a better person way to translate what i did in the military to civilian world was by talking to people in that world and constantly trying and constantly failing and that's something that i think i've been really comfortable with in my entire life is failing i, I truly don't think i fell like i just learned i, no. I just go, go ahead
0: no no finish
1: You know, it's just I'm very comfortable with it. And and in going through that job process, I never looked at any of those jobs I didn't get as failures. It was just, all right, well, you know, there's a there's a and and I always think about it this way when people are looking for jobs. I'm like, you don't know who else you're going up against. So sometimes you might be going up against a dude from Harvard that is the CEO's niece, like, or a, a nephew. Like, You can't compete with that, it's, it's fine. You don't, have to, you don't have to win every time, just keep on putting forth the effort. And that was my mentality, It was just like, I'm gonna put the work in. I'm just gonna continue to put the work in and good things will happen. I
0: love, I love your attitude. You remind me of the episode with Rafael Nunez, and if you haven't met Rafael, you should. And you yeah. two should connect. You two are pretty much uh, brethren's in energy and attitude. And um, you two together would be a motivational firebomb of of <laughs> unknown proportions, right? You guys would be a mob. Um And so, I'll, I'll, I'll let let me ask you this a little bit. So, how long did you work as an employee for in cyber? Because you just recently started your own company. You've yeah. decided that working for someone just wasn't the thing for you, and you were going to go down the entrepreneur route. and uh, pursue your American dream. So tell us a little bit about how long you worked as an employee for, and then what drove you to start your own company?
1: Yeah, I was at the um, consulting firm for about three and a half years. I almost left after year two. I I took a a significant job offer at another company, but they matched me, so I I was able to stay there. Um, And what made me make the jump was twofold. Um, About two years ago, I realized that – there was a lot of money to be made in compliance in the compliance industry. But I also knew I didn't know what to do yet. Um, I knew I was like, there's a lot of money being thrown around in this industry and companies are not doing this electively. They're not doing compliance assessments because they love them. They're doing them because they're, they're forced to. Um, so it's a pretty strong market. And I was like, you know, what? that's an opportunity. But I knew at that moment I was effectively I told my dad told me this. He was like, you're a first lieutenant right now in this space. You, you need to get to a, become a captain before you can decide to think you know what's going on. He was like, think about when you're in the military, what did you know as a first lieutenant? That you, what, how, did you how did you act as a first lieutenant? How do you act as a captain? And it's significantly different. You know, A year and a half, two years in the military is probably five to 10 years outside the military. But that that analogy taught me that I needed to be patient. I needed to wait. Um, and then as I began to get more experience, understand the business, and I grew really fast, you know, in, in the consulting world, um, uh, I, I my role, my title was principal. Um, so if you're familiar with the consulting world, kind of, you know, where that's at in the food chain. And I was able to go from a consultant is what I started out when I got out to principal in about two years. Uh, and the reason is because I just became obsessed with AWS, and was able to grow so much, but that exposed me to a lot, exposed me to working with uh, some of the, Fastest growing startups to Fortune 10 companies. I was just going all over the country talking to these really big people, and that gave me the confidence to say, "Hold on, this is this is similar to when I was briefing a three star when I was deployed. Like, I don't care if you're a C- CEO of a billion dollar company, you're not you're not a lieutenant general in a deployed environment that's in charge of CENTCOM. I'm I'm not nervous anymore. And once I got that confidence and felt the the kind of ability to to do this, that's when I started thinking about impact. And I'm like, you know what? I'm making great money. I'm doing well in my career, but who am I impacting? Um, who am I? Who Who else is being impacted by my success? And it was just me, um, you know. And I I want to be someone that impacts way more than myself. I want to do more than just have my fam my my, my immediate family taken care of. And I, you know, while I was I, I'm so passionate about getting people in cybersecurity because I see the potential of what you can do here. And I would constantly try to refer people to my firm and I couldn't get them in uh, for for whatever reasons. And I realized that in order to have the impact that I truly think I can, uh, I needed to go out and do something on my own Um, because there's no level, you know, I would always have a cap. I would always have a ceiling at another company. Um, And and whereas you go start your own company, it's it's on you. Uh, The decisions that you want to make, the growth that you want to do, it's on you. And I, the other thing is, I didn't just start a business because, I thought I could do well. I, I found a problem to solve. Um, and I would tell anybody that's going down an entrepreneur route, you know, find a problem to solve first. So, too often people say, I want to be an entrepreneur and start a business. And then they're trying to figure out something to do. Uh, and that's when you start doing some weird stuff and you, you don't really know the industry and what's going on and you kind of fall into some traps. But I knew there was a problem to solve in the cybersecurity compliance space. And, and I went after it. And then and I went all in on it. I didn't let, uh, I actually left my company on February 28th felt like the world shut down on March 1st. Um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe not that, the best that's, time. That's
0: pretty much the truth, though. The world ditch kind yeah. of shut down on March 1st.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, I'm scratching my head like, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the best time to leave a, a good paying job and go start a company. Maybe I should have uh, waited a little bit longer. But, you know, similar to what happened at Florida State it, and, and similar to my journey in the Army, it was just like, you know what? Just do it, man. Like, what what's the worst that can happen? Uh, You you fell, but now you 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 have lessons learned that you can pass on to to other folks. Um, And the thing that starting this company has did has done for me is allow me to step into what my real purpose is in life, which I think is giving uh, back and helping and being a mentor at scale, being able to to talk to people across the globe and try to help them become better version of themselves, especially veterans. Um, I spend maybe you know three, four hours a week talking to vets uh, that are trying to transition into this field or are still in active duty trying to figure out. And the reason is because I remember how I felt getting out. I remember that feeling of being lost and not really knowing what to expect and who to talk to and dealing with recruiters and all these things, these questions that people have, uh, what, how do benefits work, all these things that you don't really know when you're in the service. I remember that feeling. And for some reason i felt trapped like i couldn't be myself while working for another company you know you uh, and I, I don't know if it was i don't think it's the company to blame i think that's more me but i didn't i felt like i was still in the cog right and if you do something too wild you might get back, marked down or they might send you out of here but now as an entrepreneur, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to hire who I want. I'm going to bring on who I want. I'm going to invest my time into people that I want because I can. Um, and, and that's the beauty of ownership, really, is that you have that. You, you take a lo- back a lot of the power and control over your future and your career. Um, and, you know, that it to me, you know, if you would have told Second Lieutenant Jan that I would start a cybersecurity software company 10 years ago, um, I would have thought you were crazy. Like, out of your mind. Um, And that to me- Where'd
0: you think you were? Where'd you think you were gonna be 10 years ago?
1: Still in the military. Um, I was was, was planning to do 20, just like my dad. Um, I wanted to do 20. And I was just going to retire, or actually, I wanted to get a star, uh, to, to be quite honest. My goal was to go get a star, and then I was going to retire once I got a star. And I mean, I was well on my way. You know, I, I was doing great in the military, but having a family changes things. Um, and then you can't really predict how you're going to act when you realize you're having your first son, um, and you have a wife, and you're like, you know what, that 12-month deployment probably isn't going to be that fun as it was. <laughs> 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 and when you get married, the thing you don't realize, a lot of military members probably know this, when you deploy and you're single, you get a lot of more. You get The money seems great. When you deploy and you're married, that money is not as great as it was <laughs> when you were single. You know, there's somebody back home taking a little bit out of there and spending it while you're deployed. So I, I just didn't want to be away from my family anymore. Um, and that's why I got out. But I thought... For sure, James, I was like a 20 year guy going to be in for li- a lifer, you know, um, hang up the uniform and, and go work in government consulting at 45 or 50 or something.
0: You know, um, I love it. I'm um, so your, your um, story's unbelievable. Um, uh, Bryson Bohr over at Skyth, um, similar. You know, he's also a, a veteran entrepreneur. Um the guys over that run Synac, uh, both NSA guys, both vets. You know, um, there, there, there's a lot of great companies that have vets at the leadership, um, and I'm glad to see you join those ranks. And, and it's well earned. You've earned this, AJ, and, and 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 I can't wait to read about your exit. I can't wait in a in a year or two to you know see see a uh, an article that says you know bite check got you know bought out by someone. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> and um, and hopefully sooner rather than later, and hopefully for a lot more money uh, th- than someone wants to pay you because y- you do deserve it, and you're doing you. Your perseverance is inspiring, and I think for a lot of veterans that listen to this, um, you know, pe- I- I've spoken to a lot of uh, people that are transitioning out because of a medical discharge, and if yep. anything, your story is just a reminder that th- don't take it as you're inefficient or you can't do anything take it as i can really overcome this and i can really excel in in, in any other career i choose
1: yep i hope any any vet that's listening to this the thing that i want them to take away from my story is that it it doesn't you know it's up to you it doesn't take long um you know i was i was transitioning out of the army four years ago uh, that was, that was That's not that long of a time, that's college, you know? You can yeah. do four years. You can grind for four years, you can put the work in for four years, um, and it's worth it if you really go all in and put the work in. So, um, you know, it's daunting as a vet, especially as you're getting ready to transition, whether it's a medical discharge or you had a great career, it's daunting, it's scary. But I, I hope my story tells you that what's possible. Um, what's possible in four years and, and what you can do if you just leverage your veteran community, and put the work in, man. It's just like in put the military. Put the work in. Put the work in. Put
0: the wor- Nothing is going to come to you if you don't work for it. Nope. You know, there's a saying, and it says, you know, you need a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck, but luck is the result of a lot of hard work. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, if, if you stay locked in somewhere and you don't go anywhere and you go, well, I'm just unlucky. Well, you're not working hard enough. You got to go out. You got to put yourself out there. You got to meet people. You got to send those emails, make those calls. It's uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, 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 it's a real challenge, but um, you're doing all those things and, and it's inspiring and it's great. And, and I I know people are going to see a lot of value in this. um, Just listening to you share your story uh, from, from Florida state uh, and playing in the sweet 16, which is awesome. I think that's on a lot of people's uh, kind of, you know, uh, we hope that this year we will have a normal March madness um, that'll be oh. normal. Um, you know, there's vaccines out there now. Um, yeah, you know, let us please go back to normal sporting <laughs> lives. Please, you know, you can't watch sports anymore. Like, yeah, who wants yeah. to watch a, uh, uh, you know, fifty thousand fifty people watching an NFL game? <laughs> like, no
1: one, like, yeah. one of
0: the beauty of uh, watching the game was the crowd, the chance, you know,
1: yeah. the fans' it's, it's emotion. Like, um, I was disappointed because Florida State was having such a great year this year. The Lakers ended up being able to win the championship. I'm a SoCal guy, so I was happy about that. But I was like, man, the year Florida State might go to the Final Four. Lakers are looking great. It's going to be the greatest sports year for me ever. And then Florida State's basketball season in. So I'm hoping we get to play because I'm really excited about what the team's building on there. I'm-
0: so, so I'm a Lakers fan, too. I'm glad we have one we, thing in common. There we go. Because, you know, when I grew up in the Bay Area in the 80s, like the Lakers were the team. No one watched. Oh, yeah. and, and I'm not going to be a Golden State Warrior fan now for the sake of yeah. bandwagon. I yeah. grew up purple and gold, baby. I don't change my Love colors. It. I love um, it. You
1: see I, see, I got Kobe back there, like a championship hat too back there. Okay.
0: So yeah. Um, you can't see it from here. I've got a mini basketball court just outside oh, nice. my studio and nice. I've got all the pictures of Kobe. Everything love. is Kobe. This was before Kobe passed. Cause people yeah. like that showed up in my basement were like, Oh, so when'd you do this? And I was like, I've had this for, I've owned this house now for four years. I've had this for four years.
1: Yeah.
0: I was like, I've seen Kobe play over a hundred times.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: they're like, huh? I was like, yeah, I've seen Kobe play over a hundred times. I, I I lived in Colorado when Kobe was going through the whole thing in Eagle County. Oh yeah, and I remember every time he'd come from court and they played the Nuggets. I felt bad for the Nuggets. I'd look at oh. Carmelo Anthony. I'd be like, you're about to get whooped, son. And that's when Melo had Iverson, and there was a playoff game when the Lakers swept the Nuggets. I think that was two thousand and six.
1: I'm to say six. Seven. seven. Yeah.
0: It was seven. It was two thousand and seven because Ronnie Torioff was still on the team. um and and um we had court side seats to game four and he dropped 58 and iverson dropped 52 oh wow and the lakers won yeah and i took my daughter she was two years old at the time she was all lakered out i still have her picture with kobe and the lakers team oh wow because That's we were courtside, we were literally courtside. We were behind the Lakers bench. Like yeah. I was on every timeout. The Lakers bench were like right there. We can smell the sweaty players, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> and and I'm I'm a huge like Lakers fan. Um, I gotta tell you, um, after Kobe passed, um, I I couldn't watch another Laker game. Um, yeah. I, I I didn't watch one Laker game this year. I couldn't do oh, it. God. Um, um, I when Kobe, you know, the, you know. Screw twenty twenty, but for real, screw twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, especially us California guys. Like people don't realize what Kobe meant to somebody from California. Like they, they they don't realize it because they. You can't. You you can only. You got to be in California to feel it. To feel what he meant for those years to that to that to that whole state.
0: Well, I think what he meant for drive, perseverance, and hard work. Exactly. Right, like every time you saw Kobe. He was yeah. the nicest guy on the planet. I've seen him play over a hundred times, and I'm yeah. not. I'm not talking about nosebleeds. I think over. I spent so much damn money at the Lakers. Money I didn't have. Credit card debt. Yeah. I was, you know, favors. I was calling into people, yeah. right, um, to get tickets. To, but but you watch him play. The guy was the true. He was a professional
1: yep he wasn't only a
0: professional he was in in all aspects in every aspect the whole eagle county thing by the way bs total bs total bs total bs i'm
1: glad it didn't happen now during the social media era because kobe would have got canceled but luckily it happened pre pre pre-canceled but i i remember a story that iverson i'm glad we brought up iverson iverson told um about kobe he said after the all-star game iverson was about to go out he said kobe what you doing tonight Or uh, and and or Kobe asked Iverson what he's doing tonight. Iverson's like, I'm about to go to dinner, then go out to the club. And he's Iverson's like, Kobe, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to the gym, going back to the gym, like to get the work in. And I'm like, that's the mentality that it takes. And he tells a story about why he used to wake up at 4 a.m. do a workout, then he worked out again in the midday, and then he worked out again in the afternoon. And he added it up. He was like, over the course of the summer, I now worked out 15 or 20 more days than my competition. When you add up all the extra hours that I put in, and that's why you. You and I are talking about 5 a.m. That's why I love the 5 a.m. hour because right. that's – everybody's sleeping. You put the work in, when everybody's sleeping.
0: Well, and and here's the deal. If you've ever watched Kobe play, fourth quarter, overtime, everyone's breathing heavy. Kobe's in the zone, man. Yep. And that's one thing that, you know, when they try to make comparison between the greats, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry. I know LeBron's a Laker guy. <laughs> but I grew up – when LeBron joined the league and people were crowning him as the next MJ, I'm like, What? No. 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 I I don't want him to pass Kobe's five chance, five rings. Kobe deserved a lot more. Had the Lakers been had, had listen. Kobe got played dirty the last 5 years in the league.
1: Got, well, we should have uh, the league blocked that Chris Paul trade. Yeah. He would have 6 or 7 if Chris Paul would have came.
0: Yeah, he would have had 6 and 7 with Chris Paul. He yep. definitely would have had um and and after they brought in you know Howard and and some of the bigger guys to play over over the last yeah. part, if they had you know Paul there, he he would have he would have wanted instead. The league did what the league did and blocked it, and the Lakers management laid down on this one. And and yeah. I mean he could have had six and seven, but they didn't want to ruin the the MJ legacy. That's Somebody's all it was.
1: It. Somebody's gonna take over eventually. Well,
0: yeah, I just hope it's not LeBron. Um, <laughs> Seriously, and he hasn't won you over yet. No, he has not. Zero, he has not won me over at all. I'll tell you why. Um, A lot of it has to do with his style of play.
1: I can. I mean, I I, I don't.
0: I I don't like his style of play. I feel like he doesn't play. He he chooses when to play defense. And Kobe's great. The greatest part of Kobe's game was he played defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's already made a lot of all-NBA defensive teams. Yeah, that's what I also, Kobe
0: never player. shied away from guarding the strongest player on the other team. But yeah, LeBron picks and chooses when he does that. And true. I can never appreciate that about a player. When you yeah. see someone as great as Kobe, right, like it's hard for you to go and watch LeBron and hear the comparisons by these so-called experts. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, no, no their games don't compare one their games don't compare at all and number two kobe always said like where's iverson i've got iverson he never said you take iverson and i'll go take number two over there right like and they didn't have these super teams because the nba now has become a team of super teams kobe never had a kobe had a kobe kobe had three years of a super team it wasn't even a super team because they played they played there was they always played a different team it was never the same but for a while here it felt like who wherever LeBron is playing and wherever Dwayne Wade was playing, yeah. that you know, or what's his yeah. name, um, the Golden State,
1: yeah,
0: like those were the three teams. Like, okay, that's going to be the Western Conference Finals, and you know, <laughs> and and that's that. And you never saw that with the Lakers. They played, the Spurs would be strong one year, the Blazers were the the, the, the league was the stronger. Teams. The yeah, it was a different competitive environment. All right, we're way over time. I want to <laughs> sum this up, but thank you for helping me wrap up this month. Okay, folks, here's the deal. Veteran November signed, sealed, and delivered. That's it. November thirtieth, we're over. Now we're going into December. Twenty-four days until Christmas. Nine days and ten days until Hanukkah. Very excited about you know lighting up my Hanukkah candles this year. But I want to say thank you to all the veterans that have come on the show. I hope this series inspired you. I'm going to be doing this again in November of 2021. I hope to recruit more people to do this with me. I hope to create a bigger movement, not just in cyber, but across all other industries. Marketing, sales, DevOps, engineering, architects, you name it, across every single industry, there is HR, It, it, it doesn't matter. With the idea of understanding that veterans have value not only beyond defending our nation, but also to our economy, and our veterans are a key asset to our economical growth as a nation. And the stigma on veterans that they all own guns and they all have PTSD and they're all problematic and alcoholics and drug addicts. That is a Hollywood stigma that has no sense of reality. Um, Yes, we have issues as veterans and we have some people who come back who are never the same again, but those people are heroes. They went and volunteered to go somewhere to defend our nation and you know, they deserve not the judgment of the people, but the understanding of the people. They deserve to be um, uh, c- catered and helped and 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 reached out to to support them. And a lot of times we kind of throw them at the side and, and look at them and go, well, you know, that's that's the part of society that we don't want to look at. But that's the part of society we need to take care of. Um, yeah. And we have veterans here that lead organizations. We have veterans here that um, start businesses. We have veterans here that work in key roles across so many different industries and they're critical to our nation. And so as I wrap up this month, I can say I've taken away three really big things. And I have one last question for AJ before we wrap up. Um, but, but I'll say I've got, I've got three things um, that I took away from, from this month. One is I am humbled by the amount of people who've tuned in to the series and have shared it and have commented and just humbled. Um, I'm humbled for the 32 veterans and yourself included AJ for, for coming on the show and sharing. Um, it's never easy to share. Um, and it, sometimes, you know, the, there's aspects of sharing that are difficult, but everyone here has been so open and so amazing. Um, the second thing that I took away from from this month has been: there's no one single path to the road. Um, the, the the path for every veteran is different. It's 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 paved differently. It's shaped differently. The ups and downs are different, but the end result is all the same. Determined, ambitious, focused. Yeah loyal and integrity and and the third thing I'm going to take away from this is given our political climate I'm going to say something here I've spoken to veterans men and women black Asian white Arab Indian Jewish not myself included you know if you guys go back to the Shulam Keller episode he was an Orthodox Jew who joined the military um muslims christians atheists and what that showed me is that our nation the best of our nation every kind of our nation puts on the uniform takes the oath and jumps ready to go and fight for one another no one looks at the other guy and says who did he vote for before i help him or what are his you know political beliefs and and we all could just come together and we do this as one And I think if you take anything out of this veteran November movement beyond our veterans is the fact that America's not divided. Um, Our enemies are trying to divide us, but the beauty of these thirty-two episodes is no one looks the same like the other guy. No one's journey is the same as the other guy, and no one's end result is the same as the other guy. But every single person that I've interviewed and spoken to followed the same and and practiced their same god-given rights that are given to every person born in this country the freedom to make choices the freedom to pursue those choices and the freedom to serve this nation um, now do we have problems we absolutely do do we need to address them absolutely but to even try to say that this nation is is somehow divided is is false and it's wrong and it's a narrative that needs to be put aside and we need to look at each other and stop judging each other by who you voted for in the last election or what party you belong to or or and and just start to recognize that this american experiment this american dream that's been going for 200 and some odd years is greater than any one single person at any one single office or any one single political post remember one thing politicians are like toilet paper we always enjoy flushing it (laughs) Um, and just remember that. And they work for us. We do not work for them. There's 535 people that we elect between Congress and the Senate, and then we elect two more to hold the highest office in the land. And those people, 537 people that are elected nationally, work for the people. The people don't work for them. And if you're in the military, you know that. We serve at the pleasure of the president, but those people that sit there and make the laws and and are supposed to solve problems Problems for the population work for the population, they don't work for anyone else. And it's time we kind of gently remind them of that with a roar of a united nation that says, Shut up, we don't want to hear your crap anymore. Do your Mm -hmm. job, protect this nation, protect our population, and stop messing around. Um, And that's that for me. That's it. Now I'm going to wish y'all a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. This episode's gone much, much longer. I'll ask AJ to sign us off with one thing he loved about his time in the military, one thing he misses the most from the from his time in the service.
1: I miss my soldiers. Uh, I miss leading soldiers, being around my soldiers, uh, spending ridiculous amounts of time doing absolutely nothing with them, uh, You know, uh, being in the motor pool for hours at times, whatever it may be, being in the field for 30 days straight. We all stink and... Are hungry and want to go home. I miss those moments. I miss being on a 20k ruck march at two in the morning and having blisters on my feet and an 80 pound ruck on my back. Uh, I miss all of the parts of it that I, you know, you don't necessarily enjoy. But uh, what's been, what has been great is I've been able to keep in contact with all of my soldiers. Uh, and every time I get to talk to someone that I served with and led, and you know, we still have that same level of camaraderie and they still have the same respect for me it means the world to me. It means more than any accolade I can get from any third party. Uh, when my soldiers who, who saw me as a young second lieutenant still respect me and remember what I, what I tried to do as their leader, which was put them first at all times and, and always take care of them, uh, it, it means more than anything to me. So the thing I miss is my soldiers, but I'm glad I was able to maintain those relationships.
0: You miss your soldiers, but today in a few hours after this episode's done airing, 6 p.m. Eastern, We'll all be getting together. It's the new brotherhood. It's the veteran infosec brotherhood. Yeah, um, and you know, we'll we'll bring your favorite alcoholic, caffeinated, or you know, non-caffeinated sparkling beverage, and join us for an hour or two of just brotherhood. Um, and and um, and we'll talk and we'll share and and we'll laugh and um, we'll end this month with the vision that i started with which is not only telling the story of what i thought would be 26 not 32 veterans <laughs> but, um um but but the stories of so many others who who couldn't come on the show and so that's it for us here folks thank you so much for tuning into this series thanks so much for listening uh, aj yon thank you so much you've been an inspiration and i appreciate your time um that's it for us here folks um in December, we'll back to our normal content. Your notifications on your favorite podcast listening platform will go back to normal. Once a day for our practitioner brief, if you're listening to the Cyber Hub podcast, and on Friday for our Tech Corner and our Cisco Talk episodes come back Thursdays, every single Thursday in December outside of Christmas and New Year's, where we'll be taking that two-week off, and then we'll be coming back in January with some great, great stuff. Make sure you check out AJ's company Bite Check brand spanking you know, I told him i'd give him a shout out at one point or another um for that. those for those who are listening uh, check out buy check and support a veteran business um uh, naomi swears by his company and so i trust naomi and so um with that being said guys thank you so much stay healthy happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa um and practice your freedoms folks and remember one thing in this country We are free because of the brave. And you heard 32 brave people here that fought for this freedoms that we have. Don't let anyone take those away from us. That's it for us here, folks. Stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.